Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Um, Abraham today. Everybody um, grew up in vacation Bible school that um, where you got to talk about Father Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons and daughters. Um, and maybe you've never heard of the name of Abraham today, you know. Um, it's, um, it's one of these stories where, you know, it's a, it's a true account of the scriptures and what's happened. But I, I, I think that, you know, let me start off like this. What, when you hear um, Abraham and Sarah, or it was Abram and Sarah, and then it would end up being Abraham and Sarah. What are some, what is one big thing that Abraham and Sarah struggled with? Telling the truth. <laughs> Telling the truth. <laughs> well, that's one we all struggle with. <laughs> but, 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 but they're known also for something that couldn't happen in their life for years. What is that? Couldn't have a child. Couldn't have a child. I hear somebody in the back. Yes, they, they, they had, that was one of their big struggles that they couldn't have a child. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy um, that, that, that God had made a promise or said something that was going to happen in their lives, but they couldn't have a child. And, and it's, um, so, so we're going we're gonna to hear from what the scripture says about that. And then we, uh oh, give me one second. Let me get all my little stuff turned on here. So how does that, we're in week two of fulfilled, but this is a promise and a prophet. And that's what, you know, Garrett and I were sitting together having coffee about four or five weeks ago, and he wrote down promises and prophets. So it, it's a good thing to be able to talk about. Today we're going to start in the book of Genesis, and we're going to preach all the way through to Revelation. Did I get an amen there? 66 books. So hold on. I hope you brought up snack. I'm just kidding. But we are going to start in the book of Genesis, and then we're going to close out in the book of Revelation. And, 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 and in both of these books, there's examples of promises or things are being prophesied, okay? So, so the prophet prophesies, tells of something that is going to happen. And we have to understand that, that sometimes things happen in our life too. Hey, 15 years ago, um, the Dream Center started and Barbara and I were going to Charleston, South Carolina to walk the streets in Charleston. And there was a medical clinic and, and it was just, it was, it was funded by Seacoast Church who had a $15 million budget and they had a fully operational medical clinic, had this mobile um, eye unit and man, Barbara and I were, and man, we said, man, that was great. So we ended up jumping on a plane and going to Phoenix, Arizona where one of the Barnettes had started a dream center in Phoenix. And we're like, oh, hallelujah, there's 5,000 people and they're all raising their hands and, and, and they do a, and the spirit is moving and then, and they're like, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. And I'm like, oh man, we're going to start a dream center here. Boy, just praise the God and look at what's going to happen. And then, boy, we end up going out to Los Angeles, California. Took teams out to Los Angeles. Took seven, eight people out there. Housed 800 people at the Los Angeles Dream Center. 
200 of them were in their, in their addictions program. 100 of them were just ex-military men and women who had post-traumatic stress disorders. It was like, oh my goodness, God, yes, this is what you told me is going to happen. I come back and I'm running around the city telling everybody that a dream center is going to happen in the city of Rock Hill. We're going to have a worship center that's going to be dancing. And 15 years later, I look out here and there's 25, 30 people. And I'm like, God, this ain't what you promised. And God has to do a work in my heart. But God, you got churches call me every week. Paul, what's your thoughts on this? How can we help out here? What can you do here? Hey, can you help this family here? Love it. But God, that ain't what I saw. I saw... I saw 5,000 people in a worship building and, and people praising and worshiping and people being housed. And, and all of a sudden, the city's just like, man, we couldn't do it without the Dream Center. You know what? Every one of those things are true. People are being housed here every week. People are leaving this church and going and finding churches to plug into. And see, the problem is with me and what I think we struggle with as human beings sometimes is that we have this vision of what God has told us and then we want it in our time. We want it in what we want. And we, like Abraham and Sarah wanted a child. A child was promised to them. And they're like, oh my goodness. If that's gonna happen now, I'm pushing 100. My wife's 90. God, why is it not happening the way you told me? And I just wanna give y'all hope today. Jim and I are having a talk. Why is this building so ugly? He's like, this is the ugliest building. I was like, do you think a week don't go by that I don't think about how ugly this building is? I was cutting the grass out here Monday like, man, maybe this grass will take the eyes off of the leftover paint on the side of the walls. But if we're not careful, we'll focus on a building and not on the work of the God. I mean, Jim and I both know that. But we, like, we still like to have a good looking building. Garrett's putting cornhole boxes out here because one of the 3,000 people that go drive up and down this road may want to come in here and worship with us because the parking is in the back. It didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. I, Barbara and I living in the neighborhood we live in, and we live in the friendliest, nicest, lovingest neighborhood in town. I would be willing to put our neighborhood up against any neighborhood in this room. Got a few crazy people up in our neighborhood. Can I get amen, Ricky? Ricky in my neighborhood gossiper. She's going to talk about them crazy folk too. Hallelujah. I look at her like, quit that gossiping. Because everybody got a crazy uncle. But it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. What I've got to do is, y'all need to see me say, it's okay for my plan not to come to be as long as God's plan gets accomplished. That's what we all need to hear today. That, that we, didn't, we thought we would see something else and God said, no, that's not going to be it. But how are you going to love and glorify me through that? So if you got your Bibles, turn to Genesis 15. And we're going to read a little bit and we're going to let the Spirit take over this room. And I'm, we might have us a revival today. Who knows? Every one of you might be wanting to go out and start a church after this message. Hallelujah. Father God, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that first of all, you would grab me, grab my mind, grab my heart. 
let me be of you, Lord. Lord, that, that take away the distractions that have tried to attack me all, all morning this morning, Lord. Lord God, to let um, your will be done, Lord. I pray, Father God, Lord, that your spirit would move in us today. God, that you would just have your way with us. Lord, we thank you, God. You are doing so much mighty and beautiful work at the Dream Center Church. God, every life group, Lord, every outreach center, Father God, Lord, the kids ministry, all the things that you're doing, Lord God, forgive me, Lord, that I could look and say, God, I, I want to see more. I need to see more. And you just say, well, look at me. I'll be more than you'll ever need. So, Father God, Lord, I pray that you would just move in us today. Let us just... Um, grab hold of you and follow you for the rest of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So Genesis 15. I'm going to read. I might stop and hit a note and we're going to run through this thing. So, so if you know, let me just set it up a little bit. Genesis 15. This is just coming right after Abraham had to go and kind of rescue Lot. Lot was a family member of Abraham's where they had both gotten so big. Um, Abraham looked at Lot and said, hey, we've gotten too big. Our shepherds are going to be fighting. Your sheep going to be eating all the grass from our sheep. We need to split up. So he said, Lot, pick wherever you want to go. I'll go the other direction. Lot ends up going away. Lo and behold, some time along, Lot gets in trouble. Abraham has to go and rescue him. He goes and rescues him. And then we come up on this. So Abraham and them had then seen and started to see a lot of the fruits. It seemed like every time Abraham and Sarah would mess up, people would give them half of everything they had and send them on. So I'm just telling you, God's a mighty God and he can do some crazy things. And today we're sitting here in Genesis 15 and Abraham again is starting to feel uneasy because he's not seeing what he wants. And this is the promise. Of, to God of Abraham and it says in verse 1 and I'll read through sometime later the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him do not be afraid Abram for I will protect you and your reward will be great verse 2 it says but Abram replied oh sovereign Lord what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son since you've given me no children Elijah of Damascus a servant in my household will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own, and who will be your heir? Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. <laughs> That's how many descendants you will have. Just a little side note, talking about a bright and morning star, Revelations twenty two sixteen. As God took Abram out there to look into that night sky, Abram was looking at one of the stars that represented Jesus Christ. Think about that. As I read that and as I was studying that, I was like, God took him out there and said, look into the stars. This will be your descendants. And that Jesus would come through the lineage out of Judah, one of the 12 tribes that would start with Abraham and Sarah. Just a good little side note. And it says, and Abram, in, in, in verse 6, and Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. 
Y'all remember last week we talked about that we were made right through our faith, that, we were, that you couldn't be, have righteousness without a belief. Now look here, this is pretty cool. This is the first time in scripture, the first time that the word believed is used in the Bible. The first time that the word believed is used in the Bible. And it's also the first time the word righteousness is used in the Bible as well. Because of Abraham's belief, he was considered righteous. If you get nothing else from the rest of this day, that your belief that Jesus Christ is Lord and through him you can have relationship with the Father in heaven, sealed by the Holy Spirit, you are good. Because of your belief, not because of your works. So, in verse 7, Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Shadlings to give you this land as your possession. Chaldeans, excuse me. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Now this next little bit fixing to get weird. But I'm going to explain it to you. Some of you probably already know this. Some of you might be like me, like, oh, I didn't know that. The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the half side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. That's weird, isn't it? I'm going to tell you what just now happened. It would be like you going to a lawyer and signing a contract and needing all of the, the contract laid out and then a contract being made. This is how contracts were sealed by the sacrifice and by the cutting of the animals. So they would take and cut these all in half and they would split them out and then both parties would walk down the center of it and that would seal the promise and the covenant that each party had made with one another. Like, oh, okay. That's weird, but I get it now. So, so these animals were split apart in order to be able to go down the center of them. Man, when you make a contract back in them days, you better be like, you ain't just gonna make a contract over something like, you better really believe that this is something I wanna go into a promise with with my neighbor because we fixing to kill up a heifer. <laughs> That's pretty good though. So a contract was made. In 11, it says, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abraham chased them away. You mean he did what God told him, but nothing's happening. Abraham's having to run away the vultures. He's having to push back the things that are going to eat the flesh. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years, 400 years. but I will punish the nation that enslaves them and in, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. So God's telling him everything that's gonna happen to the Jews, right? He's telling him everything that's gonna happen to Israel. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. That's always good news from the Lord. So it says, after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. Oh my goodness. That means that God is saying they haven't so much passed the line yet, but they are going to because I know everything in the future, everything in the past and everything that's right now. But when they do, I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to give you this land too. 
Oh, my goodness. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. That was the Lord. God can, can do and image himself in any way. He was a cloud. He, he can do whatever he wanted to, but the Lord took and walked in between these carcasses to say, I signed my name. But I want you to notice something here, that the Lord walked between the carcasses, but he did not require Abram to walk between the carcasses. See, in tradition, both parties would have to walk through there. But God said, Abram, you have nothing to offer apart from me. You just sit there and I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to make a covenant. And, and, and I'm telling you right now, Abram, you can do what you want to. You can walk between them. But it's not because of you. It's not because of your works. The only thing that you have to do is believe. Sit still and watch. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. Now, that ends up there, kind of finishes that chapter a little bit. It talks about all the ites going to be taken out and going to be given the land. But over in Genesis 22, Abraham's faith was tested. How was his faith tested? Anybody? In 22, he has now got a son. What's his son's name? Isaac. Isaac's his son. So, so here, they, Sarah and Abraham had been given this son. Boy, they done made a mess. They done, Abraham and them went with the, brides, the bond servant of, of, of Sarah. And they, they had this other son, Ishmael. And everything's a mess. But lo and behold, God's held true to his promise, his covenant. And now he's given them a son. And now God, God says in 22, hey, I need another sacrifice. And his name is Isaac. The thing that you wanted, that you thought you had to have in order to be able to do the promise that I told you, I'm going to tell you to go up there and put him on an altar. Then the journey there, Abraham's faith now was sound in the Lord because he knew that no matter what he did, God was going to hold true to his word. We, hadn't, we know how that story ends. Abraham puts Isaac up on the altar, and before he takes and puts the dagger into him, he says, do not touch the boy. There's a ram in the bushes. He goes and gets the ram and offers a sacrifice to the Lord. And that's an exciting, wonderful testimony of how, who our God is. So now I want you to fast forward. Got to go way forward. We're going to fast forward to the Apostle John. So where was the Apostle John at in the book of Revelation? He was at Patmos, right? He was on the island of Patmos. He was in exile. He was the, the one last disciple that was sitting there, and he was put in exile on an island. And a revelation came to him. Listen to what. Now, just so that I just want to explain it clearly. So we were in the Old Testament book when we were just now talking about in Genesis. So now we have the New Testament, and that is the coming of the birth of Jesus Christ. And then through Jesus' sinless life, that he comes and makes us a sinless sacrifice. And then he dies, and he is risen again. He's, his death was alive, and now he's alive, and he ascended into heaven. So now we're into the New Testament, and now this big movement is happening. And now John is on this island, and, and, 
and God is revealing to him a revelation to the seven churches. There are seven major churches, and this letter is a letter for these seven churches, and I want you to hear what God is saying. So in Revelations 1, 12 through 18, it says this. It says, When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were like, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like a mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. What just happened there? Now all of a sudden, John is having this vision. John is sitting there, and he is just broken down. And he is messed up, and he has this vision. This is the vision of Jesus now, not Jesus, the man walking the earth in, in the flesh, but God in the Trinity, the three in one, the eyes are like fire. But in all of that, he lays his hand on his head and do not be afraid. Yes, I died, but I come back again. See, that takes and solidifies every one of the promises that we as Christians read about. Sometimes we say, well, is Jesus coming back? Do I have salvation? Yes, because of your belief, you, have made right, you are made righteous. And, and we should learn and grow from this that sometimes just because it's not looking like we thought it was going to look, that doesn't mean God was taken by surprise and knocked off of his throne and that our faith and our salvation is compromised. Listen here at Revelation 19. And I didn't read the entire chapter because there was so much scripture here. But I, I would encourage you to go back and read Revelation 19 this week in your quiet time. And it says, After this I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, Praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality he has avenged the murderer, murderer of his servants, and again their voices rang out. Praise the Lord, the smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. That's the first three verses of Revelation 19. So basically, all of God's work is coming into action. All of God's church has been taken away from the pain and the hurt. And now the church is reveling and, and rejoicing at what is happening. Now listen at 20 and 21. And the beast was captured with him, the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures are all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Revelation 19, 20, 21. What happened there? See, I didn't read the middle of this. But in the middle of this, there's going to be a piece of scripture where it says, 
And Jesus is coming back and he's sitting on a white horse. And on this white horse, he is sitting there in a robe that is drenched in blood. And that his eyes are of fire. And behind him are heaven's armies that they are in white robes. Church, this is a prophecy. This is a promise that we have yet to see. The one I read before we know has its history. It still is important, but it, it is part of history. What I just read is something that is going to happen. Now, I want you to wrap your minds around that again. When Jesus comes back the second time, he's not coming back as a baby in a manger with, with cattle around him going goo goo gaga. Greg Atkinson, one of my friends, says, you know, Jesus had a tattoo because it talks about the saying written on his leg, but it's actually on his robe. But Jesus, Greg just had tattoos and he was wanting to say Jesus had a tattoo. But, but Jesus was a warrior. Our Savior came back to take away all of the sin that's in this earth. You think about everything you've struggled with in the past week. Every bad thought. Every word that is not from God. Everything that you do. When Jesus comes back, he is going to take that and he is going to throw it in hell. Along with Satan, along with the Antichrist that tries to deceive and discourage and to confuse you. It is all going into hell. And there at the end, the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around a God that is good and a God that will take and kill. But individuals that have rebelled and had nothing to want to do with our God will be taken out. That is the enemy of the world. And I don't preach a lot about hell and heaven. I don't talk about the hell part. I talk a lot about the heaven part. But we need to hear about the hell part because it is just as real as heaven. And if you deny him here on earth, he will deny you in heaven. And our children need to know that. They don't need to be taught some false theology in a college that cost $100,000 to go to so that they spend 30 years of their life confused. We, the church, have to clearly say yes. There is darkness in this world, but we have a Lord who is coming back. His name is Jesus. Why do we believe that? Because it is a promise that God made. Just like the promise that God made to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. That as many as the stars as you could count, Abraham couldn't believe that. He couldn't see that. He couldn't fathom that, but it still happened. You might sit here and say, I don't think Jesus is coming back. Look how screwed up this world is. When would he come back? This place is a disaster. But he said it, so it will be. It will be. So as we close, what promises in your life are you discouraged with that you don't see coming into focus? See, with me, I didn't even know it till I showed up here today. But if I'm not very careful, 
I try to take my vision and God's vision and blend them together for a hybrid, and I want my vision to supersede God's vision. And I can get discouraged when it doesn't look like I thought it was going to look like. Church, praise God that he wants to use you in all of your gifts and all of your things that he's given you. But let me tell you something. He doesn't need you. Just like he don't need me. And his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will. It's, it's his perfect plan. All we got to do is get in line with his perfect plan. And, the, and no matter what it looks like, it'll be perfect. Now, I will say this, and somebody's going to come and, and say, oh, man, I don't know if I can come to the Dream Center. Pastor might be off his kilter just a little bit. Are we in line with God's will at the Dream Center Church? 100%, probably not. But I can tell you this. The vision and the mission is 100% in line with God. Lives change through relationship with God and one another. Communities transformed by the gospel as we love them, serve them, share them, and send them. That has not changed in the 17 years that God has given it to me. The how has changed a dozen times because when this don't work, I'm like, well, God, that must not be you because it's not blowing up and looking beautiful. We might as well try this. Well, that don't look work. Let's go throw some cornhole. That don't work. Let's build this. That don't work. Let's do this. And God just saying, why don't you just love me and love others and let me do the building? I spend so much time of trying to create and make a dream center that I'm not loving and serving the people of the dream center. Golly, that's deep. That just about makes me not want to have lunch today. But I'm just telling you, I struggle with eating, so I'm going to eat probably. <laughs> but you got to wrap your mind around that because if we love our neighbors like Jim and Susie has loved their neighbors as they've shot me pictures of people that I have never met in my life, but they are getting to hear the gospel. They are getting to understand that God loves them and they will somehow be in heaven and I'll meet them maybe for my first time. Well, hallelujah, God has got his glory because every household, every community is getting to hear the gospel as we love them, serve them, share them and send them. Who cares if they come here on a Sunday morning to sing to God as long as they're somewhere singing to God? And I do want this church to grow. But it can't supersede the kingdom's growth. Everybody find their neighborhood. Everybody get bold in the spirit. Everybody live a radical life. To say, I want to love you, my neighbor, because I live beside you. I don't understand why, but God loved me first, so I must love you. And then we'll see our city look different. So, what promises in your life have you discouraged with right now? Can I just give you some encouragement in that? I was on the phone with my mentor, Bill Drennan, this week. And Barbara and I, y'all know, we've had some struggles. And, and Bill's like, your wife is your first ministry. God's got your church. He's going to take care of it. Trust him. And Barbara and I just hold hands, and it takes all the pressure away from us. We know that if the Spirit doesn't move, the church won't grow. But we also know that if we do works and we're not in the Spirit, the church won't grow. That all we can do is love Him, love one another, and love our neighbors. 
if nothing more than to get to know Stephanie and Rick Ann and Lamont and Jay-Z. Jay-Z calls me this week. Hey, Dad, I'm, I'm, I got hired. I'm going to be a Chester police officer. I said, dear Jesus, Jacason's a cop. <laughs> it ain't going to look like what you thought. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, we can build great big buildings and Lord help, we might one day. But that doesn't determine if we're successful or not. It's by the people that hear the gospel. And it's up to the Holy Spirit to let them respond. That's not even our, our, our job. So, closing up. I love my Jay-Z. And Jay-Z, if you hear this on audio, I'm proud of you. You're going to be a good cop. But I didn't see it 15 years ago. <laughs> but you're going to be a good cop. So, um, we can trust God that through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, we will live forever. That's what you need to hear today. You can trust God that if you believe, you are made righteous. And through your belief that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you will live forever. We, like Abraham, sometimes have a hard time embracing the promise of God. It just doesn't. Look like what I thought, God. That doesn't mean that God stopped being God. It just means that we might have gotten off the path a little. So what is it that God is asking you to trust him with? What is that? What is the one thing in your life that God is asking you to trust him and his promise to you about? See, because God fulfills his promises. God fulfills his promises. God fulfills his promises. All we have to do is believe. Amen. No matter what comes at you this week, no matter how far you feel like you're from God, all you got to do is believe. No matter what somebody tells you, no matter somebody tells you there's a dozen other ways to be able to find life after death, you just say that the only way to the Father is through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the light. That's in that Revelation scripture too. Read it, study it, let it sink into you. Put your armor on through the word of God. Know that he is God. And you will live in heaven forever and ever. Not because of your works, but because of your belief. Amen. Let us pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We ask that your spirit just continues to move over our minds and our hearts today. Lord, have your way with us. Have your way with me, Father. That, Lord, I just confess to you that I, I lack as a husband and as a friend and um, a father. And I lack as a pastor. But, but God, I, I acknowledge that, Lord. And I know that, that you inside of me will overcome. I fall short, Lord, but I know that you are an overcomer. And, Lord, God, I pray that, that you just continue to move even when I mess it up.
I love you, Father. We thank you for what you're doing. In Christ's name, amen.